Good morning. See, I mentioned if you were here last week, right, we were, anytime we do the fall series, we kind of always wear a shirt that comes from the series, but it just feels like, I mean, like, I wanted to wear a Razorback shirt today, as I couldn't make it work. We got to do something, right? Because anytime you see these things where it's like, first time something's happened in 20 years, first uh, back-to-back conference opening wins 20 years or whatever, it's just an exciting day, but we'll just, whoop pig, oh, whoop pig, whoop pig, whoop pig. Hear you there, see that hand? Um, I, uh... Before we kind of get into it, I just want to make sure that you guys know about the, the men's retreat that's coming up. And I do this in the spring when we talk about the women's retreat. And I always mention again here in the fall. Hey, whatever it takes to get there, please get there. It is, it is, it, I've just noticed over the years that both of those events are just great recharges uh, for the men and women who go. And so I just always encourage a spouse to kind of like, hey, to do whatever you can to kind of give the emotional and the physical freedom because the the, the women that come back from the women's retreat, the men that come back from the men's retreat, they're just better when they come back. It's a good investment just to be able to get away, uh, to spend some time just kind of making some good connections. And then we're going to spend some really good time this fall talking about just um, how to be better men. And do we even really even know what that means? And so that's coming up about four weeks. All the information you'll find on the, the connect page at thegrovechurch.org. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. Just go ahead and sign up. Uh, we'd love for you to be there. So uh, this was several weeks ago. Um, I'm on the board. I'm on the on the board of this organization, and we're having our board meeting in Tulsa. And the night before, kind of had everybody come in early. We had this dinner together. And here's the thing: it, spouses weren't invited, so that makes so now I'm, I'm getting into this situation. I don't have my wife with me. But then there's also another couple that they are on the board, both husband and the wife, and I'm really good friends with them. And they're they're in these meetings. They're my anchor people. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean by that? Like you walk into like a, like a, like a big room, big party. You don't necessarily know everybody. Like I said, walk in, I was like, I got, I got to find somebody I know. And then I find somebody I know and I kind of stand next to them. And then I feel like I can, I can be okay. And then, then I, then I go out. Like I, like, like if I don't know anybody. It's like, you throw me in a room. Like, ah. So anyway, my wife wasn't there and they weren't there. And, and now, like, we're supposed to make small talk. And if you've ever interacted with me in the lobby, you probably already know this. That dude's not good at that. He's just not good at small talk. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I sent, like, a desperate text to my wife, like, 10 minutes in. I was like, why aren't you here? Like, why, like seriously, like, why are you not here? And, she's, and I think, I'm pretty sure it's what she said, having a hard time making small talk. I'm like, yeah, stop, stop. I eventually got it around to sports, and we were Okay. And, and I don't know, I don't know how many of you like ever, ever feel that way where you're like, there's just, there's just certain people maybe like it's in social events or maybe even coming here to church where it's just like, like if, if they're with me or if I go and I see them, I know that I can be okay. I'm be okay because I've got my person with me. Or I, I get to this thing, and, there's, and there's, my, there's my person, there's my people. And these people, they make me feel safe, they make me feel secure. And no matter how awkward or big or whatever this thing turns into, I know I've kind of got this anchor here with me, and I'm going to be okay. Now, we've been talking, this is the third week, we've got a couple more weeks after this, in a series called Known. We're just really encouraging people to really kind of take a step, to take a step to make sure that you have people in your life that you know they've got you, they've got my back, that they will be with me, that, 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 I, that, I, that I have people. You come here to church on a Sunday and you get 
We're able to worship, connect with God through music. We're able to just kind of be together and connect uh, kind of more broadly, hear from the word, be challenged and encouraged by that. And all those things are absolutely essential. But what we really need beyond that are my people. People who, who, who no matter what I go through, I know that they're always going to be there. That they'll be with me, they'll stand alongside me. That are holding the rope, that have my back. Choose your metaphor. And so what we want to talk about today, we're just kind of working our way through this, is what kind, kind of, what should you be able to expect you walk into a small group, what kind of people are we? Like, because, you know, I think about this sometimes, you know, kind of one of the most treacherous kind of journeys that can happen to somebody. It's like you visit a church for the first time from the parking lot to the front door. I mean, I, I joke about this, but it's for real. Like, maybe if the door's closed, you can't see. It's like, man, I don't know what's going to be on the other side of the door. It could, could be weird people, right? It could be, it could be weird, it could be uncomfortable. Like, in small groups, the same thing. I think, honestly, the, the, the journey between, it's not, it's not filling out the connect card saying I'm willing to be in a small group. That's difficult. It's that first visit. Like I'm going to a house. I don't, maybe I don't know anybody. I'm coming to the church here for the small group. Maybe I don't know anybody. What should people be able to expect from us when they are with you? When we get together and someone brand new comes, what should they be able to expect from us? And so from that, here's what I want, this is what I want you to hear if you're brand new. This is the kind of people we're trying to be. And if you're not brand new, this is me saying, these are the kind of people we're trying to be. This is who God has called us to be, to be the safe kind of secure people for one another. So <clears throat> we're still in Romans chapter 12. We've been over here the last couple of weeks. We finished off with verse 13. And uh, we in verse 14 uh, uh, today. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Now, last week's passage, is, it was a kind of a different kind of passage. It just kind of started with Paul saying that our love for one another needs to be sincere. And then the passage just kind of, just kind of did this kind of popcorn, like this is kind of what it looks, I mean, just pop, pop. it didn't really seem that connected, but it was kind of all of these descriptors of what a real sincere love would look like. And here we are, verse 14, we've got a new paragraph, but I still think we're kind of talking about the same kinds of things. And it kind of has, still has that same feel to it of just kind of a lot of disconnected, possibly, it may feel like, commands around the way that we're supposed to interact and love one another well. But I think what we have here in this one, we kind of got a, it's like a sandwich where kind of, we have this kind of his thesis thing here in the middle. Like, this is the type of person, if you're going to be one of God's people and the way that you love and interact with one another and the way that you love with interact with people who are outside the church. 
This is the kind of person that you need to be. And he kind of describes it on both ends. And so this verse that we have that kind of sits right in the middle of this um, is verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So on the front end, he's talking about all these different ways that we can, we can do that. And then he says this, and he talks about it some more. And I think really kind of at the core of what Paul is trying to communicate to us today is that what God has called us to, God has called us to be people of peace. That this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people that when we come, we bring peace. And peace has a lot of different definitions. And we're going to see a lot of those different definitions in how Paul is describing kind of what it should be like, like who we're supposed to be. And so that feeling, right, that feeling that you get when you walk into an uncomfortable situation and you see a friend that you can trust. And when, you see, when your best friend walks in the door and you're like, and you just, the anxiety, my anchor person, my, my, my people are now here. I can, I, I, can, I can take a deep breath, right? The types of people that we're to be, when we enter a room, when someone enters a room that we're in, when they're with us, we are people who are bringing peace. And again, we got a lot of different definitions for this. And, and there's this thing like, it says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, there was a time, like uh, this, this verse, I've, it's kind of been in my brain for, for a long time. We actually, we used this verse in our vows uh, when Heidi and I got married. Um, and, and, it, and it's a really important thing. And I think, however, for me, I think I misunderstood it there for a little bit, where it says, and as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. I think what I heard was, you need to be at peace with everybody. And if, it's, if you're not, it's your fault. Right? It's, it's on you. And like if, if someone is mad at you, that's your fault and you have to do something about it. And I think I've always kind of carried this kind of anxiety around. It's like, well, if, if somebody's mad at me, if somebody's upset with me, that, oh, then I, I've done something wrong. I do something, and I feel this kind of this pressure. And uh, that's a difficult thing to do when you kind of live your life uh, at least a little bit publicly. You, know, you get up every week and you're teaching, you lead a church. I mean, it can be a kind of a People are always upset or frustrated about something. And I've always kind of felt this pressure. But really, it's not saying that it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm at peace with everybody. There's a really big condition there. As, as much as you can do, as much as you can do, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. You don't be the source of the problem. And if there is a problem, you take the steps that you feel like you can to try to resolve it. But if someone's not going to be at peace with you and, and they refuse, nothing you can do about that. And so is our goal. It's like, I mean, I, I want to be someone who I'm not stirring things up. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not causing problems. And if I've caused a problem, I want to do what I can to fix it. Now, you may have the complete opposite problem than what I have. You may not have this kind of this thing, well, I've got to make sure everybody likes me all the time, right? You may have this thing like, man, I do what I can to be at peace with people. They do something I don't like, I tell them. And they don't like it, that's on them. Like, mm, well, I mean, we can, do, we, can do a little better, we can do a little better than that. I mean, we, we can, well, I mean, I'm just telling them. They can't handle truth, that's on them. I did everything I could. I told them everything I thought was wrong with them. Well, again, I think we can do it somewhere, somewhere between. I'm just going to tell you exactly what I think all the time in the, in the most direct way. And, 
if everybody doesn't like me, it's my fault. It's kind of this, this place, right, of just like, I want to be known as someone who really desires and is seeking peace. And um, uh, I say this, I ask this question rhetorically because I've asked it before, and you may think, bro, you're kind of on this all the time. And I want you to know, I didn't pick this passage, Mark picks this passage. So if you get mad that I'm bringing this up again, that's on him. You get mad at him, you get mad at me, right? Are we known, are Christians known in our world as people like, and peaceful people? Now, those people, man, they, they're not, they, they don't start fights. They're not instigators. They're not angry all the time. Those are people who are just kind of out here in the world trying to bring joy and peace to the world. I ask that rhetorically because I don't want to hear your answer out loud. But we're not. We're, fi- we're fighters. We're fighters. We're, we're defenders. We're defending the truth. And I'm going to tell you, we're not, we're not people like being, oh, great, the Christians are here. And that, that, that is devastating to me. Because when we are inviting people into our community, and we are inviting people into smaller bits of communities. Like I want to like that being in our presence is having a positive impact in the lives of the people that we come across. And so Paul is describing this to us, kind of some different ways that I feel like that we can do this. He's called us to be people of peace. And um, and at the very beginning, he starts talking about this, that we want to be people who mourn with those who mourn. And um, I think one of the big things that we can do to be people who bring peace is to comfort the hurting. And we talked about this a little bit last week. And if you weren't here, that's okay. We just kind of talked about this idea that really what God has called us to is when people are going through a difficult time and, and, and they're struggling, that God's people are going to be there with them. And then we want to have more than kind of the pop in, pop out. I'll be there for the meal train. I'll be there for the GoFundMe. I'll come to the funeral. And then I go back and live my life. That as long as my people are mourning, as long as they're struggling, I'm going to be with them. And I want to walk alongside them. I want to be with them. And this is, the, this is one, of the, probably one of the primary things that God has called us to do with one another um, as his people, just kind of to be there with us when we're, when we're struggling, when we're hurting. You know, and I've been pastoring now for about 20 years. And this happens from time to time. It's happened in, happens in churches all the time where someone will leave. Someone will leave the church because they feel like that at a difficult time, the church wasn't there for them. And anytime that happens, it just kind of, it just kind of hurts. It just kind of hurts. I, f- I feel bad. I was trying to evaluate if it's a church that I'm a part of and how, maybe how could we have, have done this better. And I want, us, I want us to be a church that is just, just incredibly mindful of the people around us that are going through a difficult time. And I'm never, I'm never gonna get mad at somebody, shame them. How dare you leave because you think we disappointed you. We didn't, I don't, none of that. But I do wanna say this to you right now. Are there people here in this church that know you well enough to know when you're hurting. Because far too often this happens, someone goes through something and because they're not really connected, no one knows. And so they feel like, well, where is everybody? No one knows because you've been, you've been kind of hovering around here and I don't have these people. and We, we, we didn't get the opportunity to be there for you. And so right now, you may be okay. Parentheses, you're not. Close parentheses. I mean, none of us are okay if we're alone. We're not. 
but you may be, relatively speaking, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. And while you're in this state, you feel like it's just kind of safe to just kind of hover around here and have some very loosely, barely connected relationships. But there is going to come a time, and for many of us, way sooner than we would like. We're not going to be in a good way. And we're going to go through a real crisis. Do you have the two, four, five, six people that are with you that you know that no matter what, they've got your back? And, that you're, and, and, when, and when everybody else has kind of moved back and, and, and supposedly, okay, well, now you're fine right now. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. You got people in your life like, you don't seem fine. What's wrong? How can I continue to be there for you as you're continuing to walk through this? Because you want to make sure that you take the step now, that you take that risk. And it is a risk. To kind of invite your to invite people really into your life. And if things are going okay, why would I why would I do that? Because one of the times we need each other the most is when things aren't okay. So let's make sure that right now, as we kind of were thinking about, we're talking about kind of this where we into this series relaunching our, our, our Grove small groups. Like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that step to make sure that I've got that, that I've got the safety net. I've got the people that are going to be with me when the, thi- when, when the thing happens. All right? So God's called us to be people of peace, people who are hurting, people who are going struggling. We want to bring peace and comfort to them. There's another thing that he says, and he says this way too many times, and, it's, it's, and you're not going to like it. I don't like it. I don't like that Jesus said it a whole bunch. I don't like that Paul repeats it. I don't like it. Everybody says, though. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. goes on, do not repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Over and over again in this passage, Paul is saying, if someone has hurt you, if your enemy has come at you and had done something to you, you need to respond with love and kindness. And so as people who bring peace... He has called us not only to comfort the hurting, but to love our enemies. We need, you need to love your enemies. And I think about this passage, again, it's something that Jesus said, you know, you know it's anybody, anybody can love somebody who's nice to them. What is that? That's, that's, you, don't get, you, don't get, you don't get points for that. People who are nice to you, you're nice back to them. Great, whatever. It's like the, the test of real love is, is that you love your enemies. And he says things, you know, if somebody hits you, you give them the, the other cheek. They ask you to walk a mile, you go two miles with them. And that we, we return, you know, people who are trying to hurt us and we return it back with loving kindness. Now, I've been thinking about this because it just keeps coming up because they just inconveniently put it in the Bible way too many times. Um, hey, you need to love your enemies. And I was, I was thinking about this week. I think if I were just going to be honest, I don't have enemies, Right? You got an enemy? Do you have an enemy? Do you have a nemesis? Do you have an arch nemesis? An arch enemy? Are you Batman? Right? I mean, like, are you, is, you're Batman and the Jokers out there trying to, trying to foil your plans? Like, do, you, do, you, do we really have enemies? Right? I, I, and, I, and I think, like, I, I go to this passage, I go, God wants me to love my enemies. Who's my enemy? Well, you said something mean to me once and you, I didn't like what you said and you, you hurt my feelings. And so what he's saying is like, like 
You've hurt my feelings. You're my enemy, but I need to love you. And I think honestly, part, I mean, part of me is just like, that's already got me down the wrong path with them. I think even me classifying people who have hurt me as my enemy gets me going down the wrong path. I don't really have enemies. And you may think I've got a loophole here, right? Oh, they're not my enemies. And if they're not my enemies, then I don't have to love them. That's really <laughs> letter of the law, spirit of the law, right? I mean, it's like, it's not, it's, it's, they're not my enemies. They're people that are hurting and out of their hurt are hurting me. This, 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 this is how the world works. But we think of it in terms of enemies. If someone disagrees with me, if someone votes differently than I do, if someone goes to a different church than I do, right? And, and it's like, they're, they're my enemy. They, they have different values than I do. They think differently than me. Like, we don't, these people, these people aren't our enemies. But we've created this world where, where disagreement makes you my enemy, different value sets makes you my enemy, and we're supposed to fight. And I would love to say, I would love to say this, you know, because that's just how the world is, right? You know, it's the Republicans versus the Democrats and the conservatives and the liberals, and they fight, and it's this political system, and it's the way the world is, and the world has infected us. Can I just be honest? I don't know that we needed their help. I don't know what church you grew up in. I don't know what church you grew up in. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. I don't know what kind of churches you've been a part of. But I, some of the worst, most awful fights I've ever seen in my life have happened in the context of a local church. We grew up in a church, I don't know if you did this kind of church, where we had to vote on everything. Everything got voted on. 50, 51% of people determined what the church was going to do. And I'm telling you, there were some really just kind of earth-shattering issues that brought real division to our church over the years. Things like buying a van, remodeling the kitchen, renaming the fellowship hall. These kind of deep-rooted theological centuries-long controversies that have just gripped people. And we, f- we fight about it. And we make these awful accusations because you don't see this the way that I see it. You are somehow less than. God's on my side. He's not on your side. You're an enemy of what God really wants for our church because of this. And we, and we bring that energy here. And then don't even get started. This, these, and these are the people that we choose to go to church with. And very often, we don't even start it on the people in our denomination but are in a different church. That's another level. Then when you talk about the people who are in another denomination, woo, and, this, and, this, and this energy. And I've been here about 12 years now, and, and I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful because this is not, it's never, been, it's never been our vibe. It's not who we are. It's not, it's not the atmosphere we have here. We have a very loving, trusting, believe in one another kind of attitude. But it still happens from time to time where someone will get upset about something, something that is said or not said, something that's done or not done, and, and it comes upset. And, like, and again, my, my, my reaction is kind of, I want to I fight. How, how, how dare you? It's just kind of this instinct. And like, but really, again, this person's just hurting and they're upset and there's something in their heart. Like, I don't feel like I'm being listened to. I don't feel like I matter. I don't feel like I, like I have value. And, we, and I want to respond to that. I want to 
put the rough edges aside. Hey, what's going on here? And how can I respond to that with love and kindness? You think, bro, that's a great application for you. I guess you're preaching a sermon for pastors today, but that's not what we are. This is your life too. Because this is exactly what is happening at your work with someone that you feel like is trying to undermine you in some way. It's what's happening in your marriage right now where they're kind of lashing out hurt at you. It's what happens in your extended family. Because you know, you know our extended family is they listen to that one news channel, right? And it's poisoning them, right? And so we got to get together at Thanksgiving and then I got I to gotta fight them. But that's what you do at Thanksgiving. There's plenty of articles about it. You just Google it. They'll come around sometime early, early November. How to fight with your family at Thanksgiving. Like, hey, that's a great idea, man. It's great idea. They, 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 they have different political views than me. And that's what Thanksgiving's all about, really, if you think about it. <laughs> Fighting with your family about political differences. But again, like, we didn't take a step back, bro. Those are your enemies? People with different political ideas than you? Well, what if our presence just brought peace? What if, we didn't, what if we didn't have to fight? What if we could just have conversations? Or what if I could just learn as someone is saying something or doing something that seems hurtful to me or something that I think that is hurtful to them and then rather than me being someone who just comes at them, I meet their energy with more so I'm willing to look past my spouse who says the hurtful thing and say, hey, what's really going on here? My family member, my neighbor, the person at work, the person who seems for whatever reason in my mind, I'm going to, um, they're, they're coming at me, they're attacking me. What if I were to respond to that with love and kindness? Well, Paul says here, and he's quoting the Old Testament, he says here what will happen. In doing this, if you will do this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which I don't really know, honestly. I mean, I'm criticizing the Bible here, I guess. I don't know if that's great imagery for me. It's like, hey, you know what? And if you'll be nice to them, it'll be like you're dumping fire on their head. <laughs> right? That's, that's the result. But let's just say it's the result. It's not the motive. Like, like it, it's, it's what's going to happen. Because honestly, it really is. It's kind of like a, it's we're just, no. No, let's just, what if, what if we didn't? And what if God's people were just kind of known for being people who de-escalated conflict, that brought peace when there, was, when there was conflict, when there was fighting? What if that's who we were? And that when we have conflict with one another, they get resolved quickly because we love and believe the best in one another. What if I had a group of people that I knew that would be with me, not only when I'm hurting because something happens, but I know that they're going to be with me when I'm the one who's hurting them. And that people who will always have my back. So God has called us to be people of peace. We comfort the hurting. We love our enemies. And you may think that that is the most difficult one of the, th- of the challenges. But actually this third one is actually, I don't, worse isn't the right word. More impossible? Can something be more impossible? Linguistics? No. It's either impossible or not impossible. Anyways, what does he say? Verse 17. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And so, no matter what situation you're in, you want to be someone who's doing the right thing. 
So at its simplest, what he's calling us to is to be good. He wants us to be good. So we're gonna bring peace three different ways. Someone is feeling hurt. They're sad, they're mourning. And I want to bring hope and joy to them. There's a conflict that is going on and I want to bring peace to it. But by you being good, and we've talked about this in our previous series in the You Belong series, important verse where Jesus says, you are the light of the world that is meant to shine in dark places. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of anxiety and fear and conflict in the, in the hearts and souls of people. And there's, and there's conflict between a large number of people and the God of the universe. And there's hopelessness there. And when we enter, when our light comes into a room and we are being who God has called us to be, we can bring hope to people that are feeling despair. And we can bring life to people who are in conflict with God. And all of this is possible, not because you can work really hard and try your best. And if you do your very best, you'll be able to love your enemy well. No, if I just do my very best and try real hard, I am going to be able to quote, do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Oh, these things are impossible apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no amount amount of tryharding that you can do to be able to be someone who can always return kindness when evil is put on you. And to be able to be a light in all situations where you're being good in the eyes of everyone that you encounter. We can't do it. Jesus did that. And his death on the cross reconciles us to God because like Romans 5 says while we were God's enemies Jesus died for us and so Jesus in the face of people who were in real conflict internally in real conflict with God where they were God enemies he saw that and brought peace through his death on the cross through his resurrection so that if we put our faith and trust in him we could be at peace And then he does a work in us. And because of that work he does in us, we now have the possibility of doing something that feels impossible. So I want you to believe, I want you to walk out of here believing that you have been challenged to be a person who brings peace and life. But I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that I'm saying that if you try hard enough, you'll be able to meet this standard. It is only gonna be because of our full understanding and reliance on Jesus Christ that we'll be able to be these types of people in the world, in our homes, where we work, in our small groups. So if you're someone who's just kind of been dancing around this idea of who Jesus is, you're coming to church, you're learning, it's kind of helping you, it's kind of lifting you up, and you understand some things about Jesus, but you've never really fully understood that Jesus' death on the cross was to bring me 
back to God, to reconcile me, to pay a price for what my sin has done to me and to my relationship with him. If you've never really claimed that and made it yours, do that right now and ask for Jesus' death and his resurrection to be for you so that you can have life with God. But if you understand that and been doing that, let's get back there. Because it is only again that our understanding of what Jesus has done for me and trusting in this new life that he has given me, that I can go and be a light, that I can go and be an ambassador for peace for God in this world. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your son. God, I thank you that he saw enemies. He saw people at war with themselves, with one another and with God and decided to enter into that chaos and bring hope and life. God, you have done that for us and we are so thankful. And so God, with a renewed heart, with the new life that you have given us. God, I pray that we can repeat that pattern. That we can look at people in chaos and in hurt. And bring hope and life and peace to them. And so God, for those of us who are just kind of on the fence, God, I pray that we would find new life in you today. And God, for those of us who are isolated, God, I pray that we would take the risk. That we would take the risk to step into real relationships with one another. That God, that we can be truly and fully known. And again, it's in your son's name that we pray, amen.